Yo, yo, what's up, my man? Welcome to Unleash the Man Within. I'm Sathya Sam. I'm your host. I'm so glad that you guys are here today. You are about to hear an incredible interview with uh, a good friend of mine, somebody that I've known for a couple of years. Josh Johnson is his name. And I brought him on for a very specific reason, and that was to talk about connecting with God through nature and the outdoors. And selfishly, like I asked, I brought him on for my own sake because I'm just not an outdoors guy and I I wanted to be challenged. But the second reason is because we know that if you can build a better connection with God, that you're much less likely to engage in things like pornography, right? And I think one of the things we, we miss out on is just the power of engaging in God's creation. That's like one of the easiest ways to foster connection with him. And so we did a deep dive on the subject. We probably spent the first half talking about, you know, discipleship, intimacy with God, and really trying to build a good infrastructure. And it was a very robust conversation. I think you guys are going to love it. But then on the second half, we kind of get into the more practicals of uh, getting out into the into nature and, and the wild and, you know, why that's so impactful, especially for a man, like not just from an intimacy building relationship perspective, but but why it's good for men to to kind of rough and tough it out in nature and what that can do for us in our character. So this is an amazing interview. I think you guys are really going to like it. Josh and I could have kept going. Uh, we, we just have that kind of chemistry and that kind of uh, rapport. Uh, so this one's a little bit on the longer side for us, but really, I think it's going to be worth it. And I encourage you, listen with an open mind. This is not just meant to, to give you some nice information. This is meant to spur you on to maybe try something different or maybe even update one of your routines or habits and how you're connecting with God. And so I hope you'll at least give us an open ear, uh, give it a shot, and let's see what happens. Without further ado, guys, here's my interview with Josh Johnson. So here's the million-dollar question. How are men like us who work hard, have good motives, and a God-given purpose supposed to fulfill the calling on our lives and the dreams in our hearts, all while establishing sexual integrity, thriving relationships, and a meaningful connection with God? That is the question. And this podcast will give you the answers. My name is Sathya Sam. Welcome to Unleash the Man Within. All right. Well, I'm here with my main man, Josh Johnson. Dude, you and I go way back. I think I think we're we're hitting two years, but it feels like we've probably been friends for five or six, just with yeah. how much of life we've kind of been through. So it's it's a treat to have you on the podcast, man. Welcome to Unleash the Man Within. Yeah, thanks, man. Really excited to be here. This is such a fun opportunity. Yeah. So, okay. Well, people know I'm in a business mastermind, so I'm. Uh, we won't. We won't hide that. You are part of King's okay. Brotherhood, and yes, we've been sir. rolling uh, for two years together. And it's been really cool for me, just personally, to see your journey. You know, you've you've mm-hmm. uh, done a bunch of different things: some digital marketing, um, some copywriting, and then more recently, you've kind of been fusing your passion for outdoors and nature and all that with spiritual formation and development and turning that into something that you know you can bring others into and it's been really cool and you've already done it a little bit like you did a couple retreats and the guys minds were blown like the stories were just incredible coming out of that so that's why I brought you on today I was hoping we could kind of hit on like spiritual formation at a larger level because I know that's been a huge part of your development 
And I would say for me, even personally, the last year or two, spiritual formation, I feel like it's it's taken on a completely different form. And so I'd love to talk about that. But then I think um, we'll get into the wilderness stuff as well, because that is so important in you know such a digital world. So anyways, just to give people an idea of where we're going in the conversation today. And, and I always I, I, I feel like I need to do this. I don't know if it's actually necessary, but when I bring someone in for my mastermind, I always have to be like, I'm not just bringing them in because they're in my mastermind. I actually think like they're legit. They have good value to bring. You know what I mean? So anyway. Ooh, good enough. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, maybe you could just tell us a little bit about um, kind of your spiritual formation journey and why you've been so interested in it like the last couple of years. Why is this subject so important to you? Yeah. I'll be honest with you. I wasn't expecting you to ask that question right off the bat. <laughs> like let's talk about nature and outdoor adventure and no, we'll get know, there. Challenge. We'll We'll get, we'll there, get there. We'll start oh, with this the good stuff. Yeah, cool. I would say my interest initially started after I attended a, a ministry school. And so my journey through that was was beautiful and horrible all at the same time, as probably a lot of people's experiences <laughs> are with anything of that nature. Yeah. And the 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 beauty in it is is everything you would expect, right? Developing intimacy with God. Great, awesome. Um some of the challenge, though, was uh, through several things that felt like failures to me through that journey um, and feeling kind of burnt and um, disillusioned is probably the best word I would use through mm. that. This was in the more Pentecostal kind of movement. And um, I kind of finished that phase of my life, finished that school and was still living in the same town as uh, the school is located. And I would see these other students around town. And I'd see them, you know, want to evangelize or just the way they live life. And I would be really frustrated because I would, I know the messages they've heard from the stage. I know the things that have been taught, but their lifestyle, the way they're living is so unaligned with those values of the kingdom, the values that Jesus gives mm, us. Yeah. And I'm like super annoyed, right? I'm super angry by it. <laughs> and then I went and looked in the mirror and saw that it was probably in me as well, you know? Mm. And, and that was probably where a lot of the motivation came from. It wasn't just my anger for it really came from, I'm seeing them behave certain ways and it's just actually a reflection of, I'm actually that way too, you know? Yeah. Um, there's a lot of my own life that doesn't align with the ways of Jesus that I've learned a ton about, but yeah. I'm now learning to walk out. And, um, and so that got me really interested in like, well, what does it look like to be changed? So how do we actually transform into to people of love and and to to live a different way? Like it's one thing to to promote the values God has; it's another to live them. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was probably my my motivation around it. Um, yeah. The the way that my favorite way it was kind of summed up to me the the light bulb moment was hearing. Um, I'm I'm a huge fanboy of John Mark Homer. And oh, yeah, uh, listening best. to them uh, with his previous church, Bridgetown Church in Portland, say, you know, talk about uh, they, they describe like, what is this? The way I say it is like, what is this thing called following Jesus? I like to say it's a thing, you know, it's like another thing you do, right? Because everyone has their thing. But yeah. what's this thing called following Jesus? And they'd be like, it's being with Jesus, it's becoming like Jesus, and it's doing the things that he would do if he were me. Yeah. Um, and that when I heard that that phrase right there, it like it clicked something because I'm like, Oh my gosh, this is what ministry school was all about. This is what everything before doing ministry myself was all about. This is like all of it boils down to those essential ingredients. And so that was such a cool little, little uh, line or framework for me to, to tap into. 
And so that's where my, my initial um, interest in it all started out yeah. of the, the painful experience of seeing my, the disillusionment with church, disillusionment with <laughs> my own identity. And like, how am I like actually supposed to do this thing called following Jesus now? Like, oh, here, here's a vision that I can actually start to move towards. So that was kind yeah. of my interest. That's fantastic because I think um, the disillusionment is something that we all identify with. Like, obviously, you know, we talk about porn addiction and that kind of stuff on this podcast a lot. And that would be a classic example where we all feel that personally of like, man, people know me as the Christian guy for a lot of our listeners. Mm -hmm. It's like not just the Christian guy, but the good guy, the high integrity guy, the trusted guy, the worship leader guy, the pastor guy, like whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And then you have this kind of disconnect and it's, it's always difficult because like you, you see even church leaders fall, right? Like tons of moral failures that happen. Even in my yeah. local community, like there's a couple church leaders that have fallen recently that have been just devastating, like really devastating. And it's so easy to be like, oh man, another one, you know, what's with these churches and blah, 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 blah. But the disillusionment actually, or the disconnection, like it, it's all across the board. We all have it in our own lives. And I think it takes a certain degree of maturity to look at the man in the mirror, like you're talking about and acknowledge that. And mm-hmm. I, I think that's really powerful. You, you mentioned that statement. So uh, John Mark Comer statement, I guess, which is to be with Jesus, to be like Jesus and to do the things that Jesus would do. Is that? Is yeah, that right? that's essentially it. Being with Jesus. So that's the idea of um, John 15 abiding, right? Yeah. Being with okay. somebody. Um, and there's that idea of, you know, you, be, you become what you behold. Yeah. So, right. In abiding, there's a sense of beholding. There's, you know, the, the looking at the image and becoming like the image where the Mago day, we're creating the image of God to image God. I don't know. Yes. Yeah. Maybe that needs a little bit more explanation. I'm throwing some terms out there quick, but we've talked about Imago day here before. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. So, so being with Jesus, then as we're with him, we become like him. Mm-hmm. So in our thoughts, in our actions, in our, um, the animating energy of our life is more less like the flesh, less like the world, less like the enemy, more like the spirit of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, and then as we do that, we become the kind of people that can actually do the things that Jesus then does. Yeah. Right? So what does it look like to love your enemy? I'll get back to you when I'm 80. <laughs> you know what I mean? But like, yeah. I'm hoping that over time of being with him, that I've started to be transformed, become like him, that I'm the kind of person that can love my enemy. Yeah, you know? yeah. What does it look yeah. like to be gentle, to be kind, to be um, long suffering, like all those fruits of the spirit, like those aren't things that you just like learn and then turn on. There's not a flip switch to it. it it's a process. Mm-hmm. I think that's what I miss the most. Um, one, I mean, I, I don't want to come off all, all harsh against the church. That's that's definitely not my heart. I, I have a church here. I'm a part of uh, love dearly. They're phenomenal place. There's a we we get together every week for a Sabbath meal. We sit down, break bread, laugh. Hey, John, John Mark Comer would be proud. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Honor the Sabbath, um, yeah. Yeah, so I, I don't want to come off that way, but at the same time, there is a huge deficit that we see across the Western church at the very least around what does it look like to actually be disciples? Like, yeah. Right? And so, yeah. Um, yeah, so that's that that starting to do piece. Instead of we start with going to do stuff right away, like, okay, you're you're saved, you're part of the kingdom now. Go go do things instead yeah. flipping that. So that's the last thing you do, so that your your actions are coming out of who you've become. Yeah. And at the very beginning, your actions are out of not such a great place, probably, because you haven't been transformed yet. It's so interesting because you and I have both been in the church for a long time. And um 
I don't know what your church history is actually now that I think about it, but um, I know my church history has has been in a variety of denominations. And it is interesting how a lot of the discipleship culture is focused on behaviors. It's like, okay, right. you're a member of this church now. That means that you tie. That means that you serve on Sundays. It means that you do X, Y, Z. And those are supremely valuable. Like those are very Absolutely. biblical things, right? Like that, if there's nothing against them. But you're right. Like they, they are meant to be at least counterbalanced, if not the byproduct of being yes. with Jesus and a character formation of becoming like Jesus. Yes. And that's what, that's what real spiritual formation is for me personally, because I think anybody can do the stuff, right? Anybody can walk the walk, but it, or talk the talk rather, but it really is about that kind of that inner life, that private life and that ability to just become acquainted with God as a person that is so vital and, you know, when we talk about porn addiction or sexual sin, a lot of these places actually come out of disconnect, loneliness, intimacy yeah. deficiencies in our lives. And the reality is no person on this planet, no matter how great your spouse is or whoever else that may come to mind as somebody that's really important to you, that person cannot fully satiate your need for intimacy. Like we need the living, true God to be satisfied. And from that place comes healing and wholeness in addition to becoming like Christ and doing the things that Christ would do. So I want to break this down a little bit more. I, again, I, we didn't like properly structure this, but now this is like, I'm, this is like <laughs> the meat here, I think, before we get into the wilderness stuff. Yeah. What, what does it look like for you? And one other piece I'll just offer as context is you and I both went to, um, you said Pente Pentecostal-ish, but really like we went to very charismatic ministry schools, right? And um, so high emphasis on moving in the spirit, uh, spiritual gifts, hearing God's voice, all those kinds of things. Again, supremely valuable. But right. I, I've noticed even in your own spiritual journey, and I would say this in mine as well, we, we've been able to build another layer on this that goes beyond just the demonstration of spiritual gifts. What does it mean for you to be with Jesus? Like, what does that actually, how does that translate? Right. That's a good question. Uh, I think that the annoying answer is that there's many ways. Yeah. You know, I, I think I would point it first in the, the idea of not as necessarily a technique, but more of a value and mm -hmm. an understanding. So the value being that in this moment right now, can I be with Jesus and Sophia <laughs> and right. the microphone and the technology that takes to record this? And, you know, um, while I'm working later today, can I be with my work and my team and with Jesus? You know, when I'm you know, uh, I got family in town right now when they come back from the day and we're hanging out doing dinner or whatever, can I be with them and with Jesus? And so that's not a technique, right? This morning I got up quite early and there's a, there's a little template that I, I work through. It's a kind of, um, uh, question and response isn't the right language, but I'm kind of asking God a question and writing a response and, and talking to myself and to him. And so that's, that's another technique, but the, the point of it isn't that I'm, you know, alone in that moment with God and that's how I'm being with Jesus. The point is that how, how can I, is the question, how can I be with Jesus in a variety of life things? Hmm. Um, and so I think with that value in mind, then it goes to a bit more practicality stuff. So more of the technique thing. So um, silence and solitude is probably my primary one, which is where we get a bit, get into a bit of the outdoor thing a little bit. Um, yeah. I think I would say I learned silence and solitude by time spent in, in the outdoors. Um, and silence and solitude is, is an ever changing thing for me. Sometimes it looks like reading scripture. Again, another technique. Sometimes it looks like intercessory prayer, another technique. Sometimes it right. looks like 
listening prayer, a different technique, right? Yeah. Maybe it's more journaling. Maybe it's reading another book, but I'm alone and I'm intentionally focused on quiet. Um, or maybe I'm alone, but I'm like listening to some worship music. That used to be a, a really important rhythm in my life years ago, not as much recently. Yeah. Um, so let, so me, let me pause you there for yeah. a sec. So what's yeah. the difference between reading your Bible for the sake of being with Jesus? Because we kind of, I guess we're working with like a three category framework. There's being with Jesus, becoming like Jesus, doing the things Jesus does. Sure. And we talked about how sometimes we jump too quickly to just doing the things Jesus does. But sure. wouldn't that be things like reading the Bible or intercessory prayer? How do you, what is it that, that allows you to recategorize them as, no, this is not me just doing the things. This is actually me being with God. Right. I would say the point of being with God is to be with God, not to do the thing. The point isn't to read the Bible. It's like, how can I actually rub shoulders with him mm. next to me? How can I hear what he's saying? Right. Like when I go do things with others, the objective is to do the thing, right? Yeah. We're, we're looking at the transition of seasons coming up right now. And uh, skiing is a big part of where I live. And so pretty soon here, before the chairlifts are open, we're going to be hiking up the mountain to go ski. Those are the right. many things I'm going to do with other people. Um, and that's kind of, that is the, that's, you could say that's the, the doing part is like the objective here is we're trying to get to the top of the mountain so we can you know ski down and have a good time. But the being part is the conversation while we're going up. The being part is the connection about like, oh my gosh, I'm so out of shape and it's hard to climb up a mountain right now. You know what I mean? The, yeah. That's the being part, both the celebration and the suffering, the the joy and the sorrow. Like it's it's sharing both um, the the heart side of it, the soul side of it, the mind side of it with yeah. the other being in this case. So whether that's a person, whether that's God, and that can come through the different mediums. Um, and I, I would also say this with doing, I look at doing more as like outward. Hmm. So, so reading my Bible, I don't really see as much as doing because that's, that, that's not like God's redemptive work in the world. That's more like God's redemptive work in me. Uh, okay. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. It's still individual. Doing naturally leans a little bit more to what is God up to in the earth and how can I partner with that? Yeah. Yeah. That That's yeah. my take on it. I'm sure others have other ones and they're all probably good, but. Yeah, really cool. So uh, I do want to segue into the the wilderness stuff, but I want to just ask one more question about kind of sure. becoming Christ-like and what is that what does that journey look like? How do you know? Cuz I think we we would all agree like any point in time, you can snapshot any moment of any day, there's some area in our lives and in our hearts that needs to be worked on to become more Christ-like. Like we're we're works in progress here until kingdom come. Yeah. How do you identify the areas where it feels like God is highlighting in this season. Because this is something we talk about a lot on the podcast is the importance of knowing your season and how detrimental it can be to try to accomplish things that are actually outside of season and yeah. and vice versa. Uh, any any guidance there on like, how have you discerned like, oh, I think, I think right now, you know, at this stage of my life or this season of my life, you know, this is like a character thing that I'm really focused on. How, what does that look like? Is that just God talking to you about it or do, yeah. are things showing up or, you know, how do you discern that part of it? Totally, totally. I love this. Maybe I'll have to send you a little graphic here um, and you can put it in the show notes or something. Sure. Um, yeah. But I, I see it, these, 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 imagine a Venn diagram. So right, the two circles that overlap and one circle, we call it the being circle. It's being, B-E-I-N-G, being. And then the yeah. other circle is formation. And so that's how we're changing over time. So those two circles, when they overlap, the middle piece that you have is being formed. So being formation, the overlap, and in the middle, you have being formed. 
Oh, wow. Um, that's good. And, and so then we have to define being and formation. So this might be get a little bit heady. Um, I'm a little bit of a heady Go person, like analyzing things. So this Go is how it. I understand and, and process. So on the being side, uh, I kind of take that from um, a mentor of mine, uh, Dr. Jake Smith Jr., runs an organization called Plumline. You should 100% go check it out if you're listening. Phenomenal place and programs they run. He's taken um, Jesus, what Jesus calls the most important commandments, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength, and your raise yourself, uh, which is the Shema. I could explain that more, but that's an ancient Hebrew prayer from Deuteronomy, I think it's six. Um, and it was repeated often. And so when Jesus is asked, what's the more most important thing, he's just quoting the correct answer, right? He's like, mm. this is the right Sunday school answer, you know? So he's saying <laughs> that, but anyway, Jake has taken this and he, he said that those heart, soul, mind, and strength, he calls out your spiritual anatomy. So in the same way that you have mm. a nervous system or a circulatory system, you have spiritual system, right? And so you have the, your heart system, your soul system, your mind and your strength system. And so. I've kind of, I've, I've gone really deep with him in those specific verticals and, and learned a lot about that. But then when I stepped back, I was like, what is, where does all this fit into the whole thing? Like, what's the point of this? And I call that your being. Um, and currently I'm reading, um, some Dallas Willard. And nice. interestingly enough, I'm like, maybe Jake got this from Dallas Willard, but, uh, he talks in very similar language about these kind of, he, he uses a circle, like a small circle with a bigger circle with a bigger circle and a bigger circle. And he kind of talks about your being in that sense. And so I think it's all kind of the same idea of that. You have to understand that the different components of our being. Yeah. And so with your question there, like, how do I, I think if I'm remembering at this point, right, like, how do I keep up to date on what God is forming in me is your question, basically. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, I first start with the being part and, um, you look at like, you know, people like to think we're very logical creatures because we're post enlightenment people, but we're, we're actually not. We're very emotional people. And even my, my best friends who think they're not emotional every time they make a decision, I'm like, that was an emotional decision. It's so true. <laughs> yeah, it's so true. And so that's the, the heart there. The heart is the feelings and the needs and the desires, right? And so, um, it, I love that the, the scripture bus says in, in Jeremiah, it's that the heart is deceitful above all else. And then yeah. the Proverbs is that the heart, the heart is a, um, a spring of life. I'm like, whoa, those are kind of opposite, but they're both true is one is that if you're not um, maturely connected to and understanding what is going on in your heart, it will deceive you to get mm. its needs met. Right. Mm. Um, and that's right. where we see, like, for example, the pornography conversation coming to play. Yeah. Um, there's that loneliness, loneliness, for example, I mean, I'm sure there's more broad than this. Um, loneliness would be a need that your heart has. Right. And then an improper way of getting that need met would be porn. There's proper ways to get your need met, but it all stems from that heart center. Um, Right. And so anyway, that's just one of the four quadrants. Uh, Heart is the feelings and needs there. Soul is like uh, dreams and calling kind of bigger vision. What are you going to do with your life? Question that people ask you. The mind is the very analytical, systematic planning, kind of what I'm doing right now. And then the strength is the more action oriented skills technique kind of like, okay, now that you've thought about it, like go do it. How do I go do the thing? That's your strength side. So those are the the things that make up our being. Mm. And so I say that to say that being connected to each of those four is kind of how I, I kind of discern it. Right. That's really cool. Looking at like, um, like this morning, for example, I was working through 
the different fears that I had. That's like heart. I'm like, oh man, I got some fear on this, this particular topic. I'm not judging it. I'm not making, you know, whatever about it. I'm not beating myself up. Oh, don't be afraid. You know what I mean? I'm just like, oh, like, hey, check that out. Look, there's some fear there. What's that about? I'm curious with it. And and mm-hmm. as I begin to go through that, then I kind of transition to my soul there a little bit. And, and God starts speaking. He's like, yeah, like, do you actually realize that this is what I'm working in you through the thing you're afraid of right now? And mm-hmm. that I got your back and I'm with you. I'm like, oh, wow. Okay, cool. Thanks, God. Right. And then, and then he starts to like, here's a lot. Like, there's a, it's a little bit too intimate, but there's some specific words that God gave me this morning. Um, mm. And those are more a little bit mine. And he's like, I'm like thinking through and I'm like referencing different scripture and things. And I'm like, that's a mm. bit of my mind space working right there. Yeah. And uh, and so now here we are on the call and for the rest of the day, I'm going to be working that out my strength. And so that's like my being. But then that crosses over in that Venn diagram that I previously said to the formation side. So being formed. Yeah. And so that's just kind of like, honestly, just connection itself. But that kind of just dies if you don't plant it in something. Yes. And so then the formation side, there's, I love this um, formation triangle. Um, again, it's kind of hard to visualize, but imagine different components that make up our life, which would be like the stories we believe, the habits we have, and then the community that we have around us, the people that we're around. And all of that creates an environment. And as Christians, as followers of Jesus, we want that environment to be an environment of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And so then when I bring my being into that environment, those, the people I'm around, the habits I have, the stories I believe about reality, um, those, those two connecting right there, that's how I'm beginning to go into a process of like, okay, God, what are you doing in me? Where are you leading me? How are you changing me? What are the most important things right now in this moment? And it's a very dynamic thing, um, which we don't usually like. We want like the straightforward step one, two, three, four, five, you yeah. know, Subpart B2, you know what I mean? Like, um, but it's not, it's, it's not that it's dynamic because when it is dynamic, that forces us, not forces, I don't like that word, but it requires that we, uh, we lean close to God. It requires yeah. intimacy with God because it's dynamic and it's always changing. If it wasn't, we could kind of get the answer for him and walk away. But because mm. it's dynamic, we have to continue to stay shoulder to shoulder, face to face, you know, wow. elbow to elbow talking with God. That was so, a great. That was a great answer. Sorry to cut you off early, but people no, should good. go back go back and listen to those last three minutes again. That was really, really helpful. And a very good setup for um, where I really want to go in this conversation, which is yeah. about talking about kind of the importance of getting, getting in touch with um, the more outdoor part of this incredible world that God has allowed us to live in and how it can play into our spiritual formation and our spiritual journeys. And I'll just be the first to say, I'm not a particularly outdoorsy guy. I didn't grow up that way. I I grew up in the suburbs, and you know we would so go proud camping. Of you for interviewing me right now. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I know, right? Look at me, like making steps here. Look at you go, but, yeah. But like, I don't mind camping. Like, I I enjoy it. But I I'm not. I would not go out of my way to camp. I would do it for social reasons. We were literally just talking about this the other day with my wife because my wife is like the same way, and we have friends who every year they're like, oh, we're going camping. And, you know, the campsites fill up really quickly. So they like all stay up till midnight until it opens up. And then they like book their spots. And we're like, you know what? We'll come down for the day and hang out with you guys and roast our marshmallows and go back home. Like we're those kind of people. But um, well, you got to sleep in your bed smelling like smoke. And that's I don't like that. That's true. Maybe you should just sleep that's in That's what my sandbag. sleeping bag is for. Oh, God. Okay. Well, dude, you <laughs> sold me already. So uh, <laughs> I, guess the, I guess the point I'm making is that um, I'm not coming in as like, this super outdoors guy. This is actually why I brought you in because right. I think even I need like a little bit of reframing 
because I think in our world today, we become very digitized, which is a huge blessing. And you and I both have benefited even in just our careers and professions from being in a digital world. And then we've also become a lot more isolated, a lot more individual. And then, of course, everything's just getting urbanized. Like you're not going to see things become more rural as time goes on. You're going to see things become more urban, more structures and cities and, and buildings and all of the things that come with it. So I feel like there's an increasing need for what you're doing with some of the outdoor retreats and that kind of thing. And I think maybe just as a starting point, can you help us connect the dots between what we've discussed so far, which is spiritual formation with outdoor experiences in nature? Totally. This is the million dollar question. This is what I've been sitting on for years now. Like, what is the connection here? Because the first thing I want to say is that I am not so much of a quote thought leader in this in this space in this area, which I think you get on a podcast. That's usually what you're coming for is like, give me the next great thought about X topic, and we're gonna learn. Um, I feel more like a practitioner <laughs> mm. in this. Um, I'm someone who has done this more than I've thought about why it works and how it works. You know what I mean? And so I think uh, I'll just I'll just preface with that to say that I'm beginning to kind of sift through and figure out the power that is behind this. And the first thing that I think what it is, is in my, my own experience, my own template here, it comes down to the fact that God's a creator. Um, there's a joke. If you've ever talked to people in seminary that all theology goes back to Genesis. Have you ever heard that one before? I have. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Like, like, you know, the whole, like, especially in our current, you know, cultural moment, uh, a lot of the argument behind, you know, whatever value you want to portray just goes back to the fact that God's a creator, you know, yeah, whatever topic it is you want to pick political, right? It's like, well, God created things. So therefore we think we need to live X, Y, and Z kind of a way. <laughs> um, but I think that's really important when it comes to the question of, um, I'll, I'm going to say it this way to kick it off. The, the main kind of motivation and drive for myself is a question, who are you becoming? Um, that's kind of my, like bumper sticker for my life right now is like, uh, who am I becoming in 60 years? Who will Josh be? Yeah. And I like to ask that on our trips. That's kind of the main driving question of a trip. When we take people out is who are you becoming? Right. And we give people space to to ponder that. And there's a whole framework behind that. But, um, I say that because spiritual formation is that question. Who are you becoming? Right. Mm -hmm. Who do you want to become? And then who will you, who will you become? And so how does the outdoors and adventure particularly, how does wilderness is you like to use the word wilderness, how does that impact or infect and why does it matter? And I think it just starts with the fact that God's a creator. Okay. Um, that in, we look at creation and, um, when you, when you read through Genesis, the creation story, God creates light and, you know, that's like the first thing and there's other things and everything that's created then has a purpose to it. Um, like the fact that something exists has to do more with the fact that it has a purpose. So it's not just like, it looks nice and it looks pretty, which is, right. which is true, right? People like, they want to go to Yosemite and see a uh, half dome <laughs> because it looks cool and it looks pretty. But um, when we look at more of a biblical lens, like when something exists, it has a purpose to it. So God creates these things that has a purpose to mm, it. Great point. Um, yeah. And so another, another cool thing with the creation story is there that a lot of the times when you're reading um, other uh, creation stories, because there's other ones that exist around that same time, the same theme is there throughout all of them. And it's that uh, the purpose of creation is kind of like the deity building this temple. 
So in this case, Yahweh, mm-hmm. he's building this, this temple and that's his six days of creation. Then his seventh day he rests. Right. And so he's building this, this temple and the point of the temple, which I always thought was like a temple would be like for worshiping God, you know, and these kind of more liturgical kinds of things. Right. And when you're looking at contextually, the temple was actually in this, the story of a deity creating a temple. The temple was then for him to go rest in. Mm-hmm. It's kind of his like setting up this thing to then like kick back and kick his feet up and then rest in the thing that he's built. And so yeah. when we're reading Genesis, that's what we're reading is God's creating this thing that has a purpose and the purpose is then that he can rest in it. And then, and that's, that's wow. why God creates for six days and the sixth, seventh day he rests, right? Which is the Sabbath day. And um, it leads up into that, that day of rest. And then you look at where do humans fit into this whole thing, right? And yeah. they're, they're the last thing created there and they're created bef- on the sixth day. Um, and that's the day. And sorry. So the first day of their existence would be the, di- would be the day of rest. So humans are created not to then go cultivate the garden right away. Humans are created to then rest with God in his temple on that seventh day, which is really fascinating. And so that's kind of like the the main kind of take of like a bit of my theology on creation, a bit of my theology on rest. But then you also have in there created in the image of God, right? So that's that Imago Dei thing I mentioned earlier that is essential to the Christian faith. Um, So that matters because God then chooses to rest in his temple and we're supposed to be like him in this sense. So yeah. We're also to rest. So there's kind of the two things that I, I see with um, the question of who are you becoming and the outdoors. And the first is the creation piece there that mm. creation is a place for us to do the things God does. And yeah. first be rest. Um, we're made to to be in this garden, this place of communion, communion and connection to him. You know, we read, they walked in the garden with God, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's kind of the a bit of the, the, the headier kind of theological side of it. Um, and so it creates a space for us to then go, go do that. So that's like how I think about it. Then you take it to Jesus, right? And Jesus, um, we see him going up to the mountainside to pray. Right. Yeah. You see this where before he chooses his disciples, he like, I'm going to go to the mountainside. He already had disciples. You, you read it through. It's like Jesus did X, Y, Z with his disciples. And then one day he decided to go to the mountain and he prayed all night. And then he came right. back and he chose his 12. And so there's this there's another communion piece there. There's connection there. And you also see Jesus resting with it. So like he feeds the uh, what is it? The 5000 or whatever number it is. And then he goes again off to the mountain to mm. be alone. And he said, but first he like sends the disciples like, Hey, you guys go back. I'm going to wrap up here and then I'm going to go be alone and pray. And so (laughs) creation. So I don't think of it necessarily as just the outdoors. I think of it as like the language I like is creation because that's what it is. Yes. The thing that God created. And so it's a way and a a place to kind of reject the busyness of our lives right now. Mm. Like things move a million miles an hour. Um, Yeah. We all have a lot going on. And so we can see not only in how God created us, this temple to go rest in his creation. That's why he created things. The purpose there is this idea of rest. We also see Jesus use it that way, a place of community connection with the father and as a place of rest. Yeah. Um, maybe, maybe I'll pause there, but that's the first piece I see is I think it's essential in who we're becoming and how we disciple under Jesus is the things that we value. Yeah. And so do we value doing an action and more kind of the hurry thing 
I, yes. I think that's actually not right. I think that's more reflective of our current moment than it is of the way of Jesus. Yeah. Um, particularly in this, that we see God creating this whole thing that we live in for this purpose of rest and, and enjoyment in his good world. So yeah, anyway, it's, that, that's what it's, I'll say on that piece. Oh man, I have a lot of thoughts to that, but I, I the one thing I think that's really cool, you just brought it up again, which is that I, I think sometimes we read the creation story as like, you know, God created this rhythm because we work so hard that we need the rest. Mm-hmm. Um, like it's kind of that, that you, you rest to work. And it sounds like what you're saying is actually that you work to rest. Yeah. Yep. And that's, that's a really good reframe because that is incredibly countercultural. I think that'd be true across the world, but certainly, in the more Western nations, we are resting to work. And, and so I, I love that. The other thing that, that was really helpful for me is you talked about cre- like creation. I think just that word frame is different. Cause as soon as you said that, I was like, Oh, I'm actually short selling myself a little bit. Like mm-hmm. I live like a two minute walk from the beach that I go to like pretty much every day. Cause I love just staring at the lake and just watching yeah. the water come in. I find it so relaxing. We live right by like a conservation area, like gorgeous forests and trees and paths. I like playing with like the frogs at the pond and stuff like that. And then I bike to work every day and I bike along the canal. There's like this big canal. Sometimes there's big ships in it, but usually it's just clear water. It's still, and I just like the scenery of it, you know, like I find it very calming. And even between meetings, if I don't have to be at my desk, actually, if even in a meeting, if I don't have to be at my desk, I'll actually go walk. I like, I take my shoes off. I walk barefoot in the grass. Like I like the feeling of it. Um, so that was helpful for me to be like, okay, I do actually, maybe I'm not the guy who's like, you know, like go on a canoe trip. Yeah. Although I, again, I've done those kinds of things before, but it, it, I guess it is to say that even in an urban environment, people can still get in touch with creation. Is that, is that fair to say? Or Absolutely. I, yeah. 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 I'll, I'll, and the funny thing there is there's a ton of interesting science behind that too. I, like, again, like I said, I'm not the, the thought leader on this. I'm more of just a practitioner myself, but I don't, so I don't hold the scientific facts in my head super well. But there's a lot of really interesting stuff around like when they've measured your brain and they do all these tests and all these things where when people are walking, for example, underneath a lot of trees, like certain, um, you know, chemical reactions in their body change. Uh, hmm. What's the stress chemical they always say or the cortisol? Cortisol. Yeah. So like cortisol levels drop a ton when you're walking under trees. Oh, dude, I totally believe that. So that, like, they looked at like people in hospitals if they have a window or if they don't have a window, how fast did they get out of the hospital? And there's like a massive percentage difference of people who had windows, you know, and then what did the window look out at? And those who had windows looking out at nature or greenery, I don't even like the word nature. I got to correct myself on that. Um, (laughs) But like they, you know, they got to the hospital faster or even things like looking at photos. So just even a, a, you know, a replication of what creation is, but just a photo. And there's cool tests they did with that. Wow. Um, so what you're saying is like it's it's right up with the secular studies they're doing around this that aren't mm. they aren't even trying to make it you know super spiritual they're just trying to keep it super level and yep. level and and you're just seeing exactly like wow the this uh, this concept of um like human flourishing through what God's created it's just playing itself <laughs> out even in the data yeah that's really cool so y- you mentioned your practitioner in all of this which I think is actually supremely valuable for our audience. We're very much a practically driven kind of listener base. So for somebody who's listening, yeah, hundred percent. So let's assume that we're talking to like people that are cooped up in suburbia. They live in big metropolises. That's not actually true of our listener demographic, but let's at least start there. 
for people who are hearing this who are like, okay, I do want to develop spiritually. I can see how getting in touch with God's creation could help me in that regard and maybe want to start, you know, exercising this whole concept of um, working to rest as opposed to resting to work. What are some practical things that people can do? Um, you know, you're obviously you're leading retreats and stuff like that. So um, it goes without saying, like, if you get a chance to participate with Josh in one of his retreats, you'd be crazy not to. And um, and I, I will get there. But I guess uh, even just in practical day to day stuff, how do people start to walk this out a little bit more? Yeah. Well, before I answer that question, let me let me add my second half. I feel like I gave you one half of the coin. Oh, right? sorry. I, I'm jumping the gun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go for it. Yes, yes. Yeah. Just because because I think the practical way to do it, I think there's there's two sides. And cool. So okay. Just, you know, have you walking like lopsided. Uh, <laughs> All right. Go for it, man. Yes. The one side is just that like creation is like a place for intimacy with God. That's kind of what I talked about there. And there's obviously the more like. Um, you know, personal development benefits that we can see that are a little bit more secular. But I think the ultimate aim of any of those things is for connection with God and and for the sake of others. So that's the first one is with with creation there. The second is more, you've used the word wilderness. You first texted me like, hey, I want you to talk about wilderness. <laughs> and and uh, I usually don't actually go to that word, but it's a great word because I think the other side of of using the outdoors or going to creation is that it's a place of temptation, trial and suffering and, and refining. And, and you see this through uh, Jesus is baptized, right? Father is my Lord, son, and I love, blah, blah, please, blah, blah, blah. And then the spirit leads him into the wilderness. And the, the English translation for the, the word there is the world wilderness. In most translations, they use that word wilderness, which is a great word. And it's, it's the lonely place. It's the desert. It's the, it's like, has to do with solitude and challenge and and that's where the devil tempts him right we have the, the temptations of jesus and so i think that's super important because um there's this refining that can happen through the outdoors because it's usually really challenging you know hmm. it's not a place that is just all cush and comfy that's why we have technology and houses that's why there's a couch over there behind me you know what i mean because it's a <laughs> lot more comfortable to sit on than a log I love sitting on a log, but like not every day, you know what I mean? Um, in our in our current moment. And so I just wanted to 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 add that in there that wilderness isn't just this place of what I feel like the pic picture I painted before is very comfortable and cush and like um kind of hippie vibes, you know, kind of granola, right? And yeah. I hate that word granola. I like I almost want to put it on social profiles like not granola, like I'm not interested <laughs> in any like anything like that. Um and and so anyway, I just want to add that other side there that yes, there is the more um kind of intimacy creating through, you know, talking with God and more the feeling side and more the awakening something in your soul and the health benefit, all of that. But the other side is the the challenge of it. Like challenge is actually how I was introduced to the outdoors and creation was through taking people into environments that were really challenging for them that, mm. you know, they were afraid they're literally you could die, you know, like people do die doing stuff like that we do on wow. these trips. So that's an important part there. And I think why yeah. that matters so much is because when you're it's, it's one, it's embodied. We're not just sitting in a room thinking about it. It's not just intellectual lecture. Mm. Um, and so it allows us to move from just insight towards change because we, prefer insight right over change right we, we like to know stuff about stuff is the way i like to say um because <laughs> it, it's a lot easier to know stuff about stuff than to actually change over time mm, and true. i think 
the the outdoors is a um is a great place for that to happen it's a it's catalytic in that sense you know it's challenging that sense and so we talk about like growth zone versus comfort zone we talk about adventure so we have like our comfort zone which is where i'm at right now in the living room or whatever um and it's different for everybody they have their comfort zone and then the growth zone is, is a step outside of comfort zone meaning that like there's an unfamiliarness to it there's a challenge to it there's a risk to it um they could be harmed or hurt in some way that's appropriate mm. um, but then past growth zone we have retreat zone which is like the person who went and tried some you know something that I would think is really cool outdoor thing. And they just hated it. And they're like, Oh, we'll never do it again. Like they skipped growth zone. And they went straight to retreat zone. We don't ever want to go to retreat zone. We want to stay within our growth zone, which oh, is not comfortable, but it's not so much that we're like, screw that. I don't ever want to do it again. You know what I mean? So like, I, I know you went hang gliding when you were in, in Europe, like last paragliding. year. Yeah, yeah. Paragliding. Paragliding. I'm sorry. Yeah. And so I don't, you know, I don't know for you exactly if you want to do that again or not, but like, I know that that was for sure out of your comfort zone. Oh, You'll have yeah. to tell us whether that was your retreat zone or your growth zone. Oh, got it. And so are those the two sides of the equation? Like there's the retreat zone where it's like, you are like just there to relax and you're spending time with God. Like, are you, is there a good place for your retreat zone or no? No, no. Retreat in the negative sense. Retreat of like run away. Okay. Oh, I see. Okay. Like, got flag. it. Yeah, like yeah. I'm I'm David and there's Goliath and I don't want to do this anymore. I'm going back. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, I got you. So the two sides of this coin are like the one side is you're you're with God's creation, you're enjoying it, it's helping you, you know, decompress, relax, whatever it might be. It's that kind of sense of rest in the spiritual formation sense. Then there's the other part where it's like, yes, it's it's also uh time with God and it's in creation, but you're doing things that are more, they're challenging you, they're stepping you outside of your comfort zone, that kind of thing. And paraglide yeah. was, was definitely in that category for me because I'm scared of heights. So, you know, well, like, really there, you, yeah, you're just like suspended in midair, um, totally at the, the mercy of your instructor and kind of, and wind, right? I was going to say in nature, right? Probably like some birds. Yeah, like there's all kinds of stuff there, you know, and, like there's heat, right? Heat moves and rises and probably affects the kite and everything. I'm, I'm sure I, the less I know, the better probably, but, <laughs> but it was, it, I do remember like I was up there and I had probably at least three, there's three distinct moments I can remember where I thought, man, there's nothing between me and the ground. How crazy is that? And it was really terrifying. But then when I thought about it, I'm like, but how, how amazing is it that there's actually nothing I can do about it now anyway. So yeah. I might as well just enjoy the moment. And right. it's like, it's so synonymous with, for me, like my own fears and challenges in life of like, you know, with the business, like, you know, what if we don't get new customers or, um, you know, at home, like if my wife and I have a disagreement, it's like, what if we don't work through this? Like you always have these fears of like the what ifs. And there's something actually really powerful about confronting, you know, worst case scenario head on and being like, well, you know what? My wife and I have survived every single disagreement we've had so far. The business has survived every single month that's existed so far. I'm sure we'll be fine. And if we're not, then God in his goodness will, you know, will make something good come out of it. So I, I totally see exactly what you mean by like the value of pushing yourself into these um, environments that are uncomfortable, but um, necessary and a necessary part of formation. And I, just one more comment here yeah. before we get into the practical stuff, which is that this is actually such a, I'm so glad that you brought the conversation back here and didn't just answer my question because this is the part that's missing in most spiritual formation conversations. Like I think a lot of it is about, 
It's about our, um, you know, our growth and us stepping into our callings. Uh, you and I are, come from charismatic circles that are very strong on like the right. promises of God and destiny. And um, I'm all for that. Obviously, I'm not against it. But sometimes it feels like those messages are coming at the expense of the crucible, you know, and the difficulties mm-hmm. and the, the the tribulations that produce perseverances, which produces character, which produces hope, like it talks about in mm-hmm. Romans. And I think I think it's important to understand that actually you don't have one without the other. Like you and yes. your business growth, most of the growth that you've experienced, especially the last six, eight months, actually came out of about 14 months of a lot of struggle, right? And a lot of challenge and a lot of hard conversations. Right. And, you know, like deep clean, the business we have came out of like my wife being super sick and we couldn't pay medical bills and like our our wedding got called off basically. And like we had people praying that we wouldn't get married, literally gathering to pray that we would not get married. Like we had like those kinds of things going on. Like I missed that one. I know we've talked about it, but dang. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like incredible trial, right? And necessary, right? Like I could tell the story of like, you know, I went from this to that and now the business is thriving. But the reality is like anytime I've had growth in my life or some improvement in my spiritual formation, even like my maturity in Christ, it's always been either instigated or accelerated by trials, tribulations, and challenges. So I think that was a really beautiful counterpiece um, and a a good setup. Do you feel like we're good to go into the practical stuff now? Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry I didn't like bookend the two there. The the two are one, creation being a place for intimacy with God, and that's looking more like rest, right? I like like you're describing your walk next to the canal or going to the water at the lake and like, there's something that happens in your heart and your soul. I say it's awe and wonder, you know, like the heart is like kind of the, the, the heart is a place of intimacy, mm-hmm. right? Feelings and needs. Like you can't be intimate with someone if you don't have needs with them. If you don't have feelings around them. Right. True. Um, and so then that soul space is that dreaming, that calling, that vision. And that happens when you get in the outdoors and you're like, dang, look at that view. That thing's crazy. <laughs> and then like something in your soul just happens, right? So that's the more intimacy with God that looks a lot more like the rest side and the beauty of it. And then the other one is the challenge, the challenge mm. side. And that whole like comfort zone, growth zone, that's all within the challenge thing yes. is what you're saying there. I think a lot of when we, you know, you bring this conversation back to men, I had a friend of mine as he was kind of looking at what I'm doing with Telos and he was like, he lives in Nashville and he was like, man, I, every guy around here that I know wants to go climb a mountain and like get really cool about it. I was like, well, yeah, of course they do. Like, why do you think I live in Montana? So yeah, I go right. climb mountains. <laughs> um, and so there's that challenge side of it. That's like something natural in us. Like we need to, we need to go yeah. challenge. We're made for, we're made to, I think it's like, really it's that co-creating with God, that taking dominion of the earth as God has given us to, for his redemptive purposes. But yeah. the outdoor is such a cool place because it's catalyzed to understanding what that looks like for me in my era in my time with the skills I have because I went and you know God spoke to me on the top of the mountain I've, I've had those experiences God has spoken on top of the mountain you know but just as much as he has in my couch this morning right so yeah. uh, they, they are a place that create a sense of that challenge so intimacy and challenge okay okay really cool intimacy and challenge love it practically what does it look like for somebody to let's talk about intimacy first that intimacy kind of in the context of creation and engaging god's creation what are i don't do you have any starting points that you recommend people um to kind of get the ball rolling with yeah sure i mean so i think the first is i love thinking in templates kind of so if you're thinking intimacy that's like a contemplative approach 
right? If you're thinking challenge, like what's the challenge approach? So in the mm. in the contemplative side, I like there's different. It can take any kind of contemplative practice that the last two thousand years of following Jesus has given us, and you can just kind of go do that in the outdoors, right? Which yeah. is a little a little vanilla maybe, but. Um, <laughs> But but I don't think we need to add more to it. That's just what it is, right? So go take silence and solitude. If you haven't really dove into what that looks like, there's a lot of different ways you can do that. Just you know, start Googling around, check out practicing the way silence and solitude practice is free on the internet. Yeah. Um, but like, so like you can take journaling, right? So maybe some people do journaling. Maybe there's like the two-way journaling thing. I think if you've ever heard about, I think one of the guys you sent me is a reference um, to listen to, like he's talked about it on the podcast here before. Um, We're big on big on two way journaling here for sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah so like take that into the outdoors, right? So go oh, go put yourself. The way I think about it is get yourself out of a man made environment and get around a god made environment. Ah, that's a good way of putting it. Right. Like I remember listening to a, a pastor in New York. I forget who talking about. He had a cabin out in the woods of somewhere else in the state of New York. Right. Like he's in the city, and so he's, he like has a cabin out somewhere and. And that's actually where I got the language from. I really don't remember who this guy was, but he was like, yeah, I'm just trying to get in God-made environments because I live in a man-made one. I was like, dang, that's <laughs> literally like, that's what I've been doing my whole life, man, is getting yeah. in God-made environments, right? And so like, same idea of you become what you behold. Like if you're putting yourself around something that is um, completely solely God-made, like what's that going to do to you? Right? Yeah. Like if you're looking at a skyscraper, you know, like I love a cityscape. That's cool. I was just in Seattle. We were on the ferry leaving it. I'm like, wow, look at the city. That's really cool. But I'm thinking, I'm like, man made that city. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and they're still right. making it. There's a big old crane over there. And of whatever. course. But the reason it looks cool is because I'm on this earth and I'm on this ocean. And it's like way far away from the city and we're floating. And it's like, look, the sun shining on it and the shadows. I'm like the reason it's, it's, it's capturing my heart right now is because it's God made like mm. the environment that we're in and so how can right. you get yourself a god-made environment um Dang. that's not the first one there it's like being curious with it then you know so removing some sort of outcome goal that's a huge one there um yep. getting into kind of the psychological space if you want to go talk the therapy route like which you know you guys you're for sure game for i don't know if we have the time for it but there's a lot around that just like getting rid of that end goal and like letting your mind kind of go and like where do you want to go and what do you want to be curious about and go look at things i always like to touch things you know i always like to like just see what's there and be curious with things um Mm. and so that that's a little bit of like a really a broad way to say like but think of it in contemplative terms like how can i put myself in excuse me in a god-made environment and be curious with it and whether that looks like silence and solitude, um, whether you're just literally sitting in silence, or if you're journaling, or if you're reading scripture, or if it's just like taking a nap in a hammock, like that's great. Uh-huh. <laughs> or maybe it's more of a prayer thing. So kind of listening prayer, maybe more of a meditative thing. You're like going over Psalm 23 in your head or something, you know. Um, and the thing that I think is important to say with that is when people enter that space, it can be really uncomfortable. Mm. And it's supposed to be. Um, yeah. And that's why you go to the outdoors because it makes it a little bit more bearable to be contemplative and in silence like that. And I like to think of it just in terms of every moment of distraction is just another opportunity to come back to God. Mm. So instead of beating yourself up in the hour that you were out there, like got distracted a hundred times, ah, oh, come on, get it together, Josh. <laughs> well, like that was a hundred another another hundred opportunities to come back to God in that moment. Mm. So that's like contemplative wow. side is like that's the main good. thing is. You know, getting in a God-made environment, 
and then picking some sort of kind of contemplative kind of practice to do out there. Um, okay. And honestly, like I wouldn't overthink it too much. And everything you said earlier in this about riding your bike or going to the canal or the reserve next to you, like all of that counts. Yeah. I think the important part is doing it over time because that's where you actually see change. Okay. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. And then what about on the challenge side of things? Like the only examples I can think of are all more extreme, like paragliding off a mountain in Switzerland or doing a retreat with you, like, uh, am I missing something there? Are the challenging parts generally a little bit more like that? Or are there, are there smaller ways that you can be challenging yourself? Yeah, I'd say that the contemplative naturally leans towards the challenge side. Okay. So if I go, I live near Glacier National Park, If I go into the park, I can be on a, a, a trail that was created by people, right? I mean, I'm in a national park, but the trail is still man-made. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, True. And I get curious, like, what's up around that corner? What's down that canyon? What's over, you know? And mm. through that, then I immediately move into a place of challenge. I think it be the best way of an adventure is oh, I see. that you, you're like, you don't know what's coming and you just follow your nose and do it, right? Mm. And so now you're stepping into a bit more of the challenge side of like i mean there's been so many times where i'm like climbing up something or scrambling around something just because i'm like what's around the corner you know <laughs> and the next thing i'm like oh don't fall bro like yeah. <laughs> no one even knows you're here you're gonna die you know yeah. and so now there's the challenge side and i love that because it, it it requires you to think differently like you can show up passively to a lot of things in your life but when your life is on the line you got to think differently about it you know so especially if you're by yourself I can't think of the last time I was doing something like this. There's a lot of them, so I always forget them. But like, there's many times where I've been, you know, let's just use an example. Um, this spring, I drove down to a lake uh, near me and it's way out in the woods and we're springtime. So it's not quite warm yet. It's still pretty cold. I think the lake was still frozen, but melted underneath me. And I was scrambling up this thing because I just wanted to get to a cool view. That's like, all I wanted to do was a cool view. Again, going back to the contemplative. Yeah. And I had to think for myself in the moment, like if I slip right now, and I fall off this cliff, like, I probably won't die. But I don't think I could get back to my truck. And I don't, I don't think I'd be able to move, I could be knocked out, I could be bleeding, right? Like, Dang. and so that means that I have to not passively show up anymore. I have to like, okay, this decision you're gonna make, are you can you do it, right? And not have to face fear, we're getting my heart involved, but my soul's still there, my strength, my mind, all of my being is being brought into this moment of challenge right now. That started because I was just being curious, which is more the contemplative side. Yeah. Um, so as far as getting more a little practical about it, I think a great way for people to start beyond, you know, um, signing up for some trip like we do and stuff like that would be to start with a contemplative. And then when you're doing that, get curious, you know, like mm. if you go to the lake and I don't know what your lakes look like. Ours have islands on them sometimes, little, you know, islands and things. I'm curious to like, can I swim across to that? You know, like, uh, okay, I guess I just, maybe you're a swimmer and that's not a big deal. But like, what would it feel like to be out in the open lake with, you know, hundreds of feet of depth below you, even though you're yeah. a great swimmer, like that might feel kind of weird in your head, you know? Yeah, true. You get out to that, that little island in the middle. And now you're by yourself out there and now you're practicing silence and solitude. Right. right. And then you got to swim back, you know, or maybe it's the temperature of the water. Right. Like people love the ice bath thing. Like, cool, go do an ice bath when you're already in the snow and there's not a warm fire for you to go to warm up around. <laughs> I, so this is a side topic. Uh, one of the other guys that we know, he has a, a coaching business. Him and I like dreamt up this plan once to, uh, we 
we were going to bring a group of his guys out on a, on a trip. And we were like, what if we um, packed them backpacks full of firewood and a hatchet and like some matches. And then we hiked them out in the middle of winter to a frozen lake and they had to cut a hole in the lake, do their ice bath. And the only way for them to warm up was to build a fire. And we were like, Oh, that'd be so epic. (laughs) And then there was a logistical issue. We never did it, but those are the kinds of things where it's like, there's a creativity aspect to it, but there's a curiosity around what can I go do now that I'm in this God made environment that'll naturally lead to some sort of physical challenge. I look at like physical, mental and emotional. Mm. So like the physical is maybe a skill thing, right? Is it challenging for you to climb up this or walk around that or swim across this or navigate whatever terrain? Um, there's a mental side to it. Like, do I have the mental stability? Like in rock climbing, for example, it's usually when people get stuck, it's not because it's a physical problem. It's a mental problem. They don't think they can do it. So there's okay. a mental aspect. And then there's the emotional side. So like if you got, usually fear is one that comes up really often. If you got fear going on right there, but really closely connected to fear is usually shame. People, right. especially when there's others around, like, oh, if I don't do this, then I'm not cool. Or yeah. Not, or whatever the thing is, you know? Yes. Uh, so uh, hopefully that was a bit of a ramble, but I hope that answers a little bit more questions. I can get a little more practical if you want to. I think that's that's perfect and probably a pretty good place to sort of tie the conversation up. Uh, nice. Josh, if, if people do want to find out more about you, what you're up to, if maybe they want to join you for one of the uh, TELUS adventures, TELUS, TELUS, uh, tell adventure, TELUS, um, what's the best way for them to do that? Yeah, I would love to have people join. Um, well, first thing is uh, coming up this winter. Um, we don't have the date set exactly yet, but maybe February, March area. We're going to be doing a backcountry ski trip. And so this will be specifically the, the, the vehicle we like to use is the outdoors, but the purpose is not the outdoors. So we love skiing. We love backcountry skiing, but really what we're interested in growing in intimacy with God. And so, uh, we're going to have a time for a smaller group of people to get together to dive into some deep areas in our life to how can we grow in God. And then we're going to go backcountry skiing because that's really fun. And we're going to allow that to further that and cultivate that in us. So um, if they want to go to ski.telosadventures.com, if that's something you might be interested in, um, this is specifically for people who are already backcountry skiers. So it's a little bit of a smaller group here because it's not okay. necessarily open to anyone and everyone, but ski.telosadventures.com. And then um, I also put together something um, that I've been kind of working on over time here. I call it the... Um, a resource for cultivating an ever deepening relationship with God mm. and um, to get that one, excuse me, you can go to um, tellusadventures.com slash download. And it's basically, I, I broke this off into that being category we talked about heart, soul, mind, strength. And so I've gotten some different resources there that I've used over time to develop those different areas. So maybe it's like a, a kind of a meditation guide for heart or something, or maybe it's more of a like a how do I dream with God kind of a thing or maybe it's a teaching or a book different resources like that kind of broken off into each of those categories and so I kind of put that together uh, for your guys here if they want to go get that one that's uh, tellusadventures.com slash download awesome tell us t-e-l-o-s by the way (laughs) perfect okay good we'll put those links in the show notes so that's nice and easy for everybody Uh, but Josh in the meantime man thanks for your time and for sharing your wisdom today this is awesome yeah thanks Adia Well, there you have it. Josh is the man. And look, if you do want to participate in one of Josh's retreats, click the link in the show notes. Um, He's got some really good stuff going on there. And I think he's actually got um, like a download there as well. He mentioned at the end. So the links will be in the show notes. 
please make sure you go check those things out. And look, if you know that um, that porn is really at the root of a lot of the issues, a lot of the isolation, the disconnect, the lack of maturity in your walk with God that we were talking about in this interview, and you know that it's time to get free, there's a link in the show notes for you to book a team with, uh, sorry, book a call with somebody from our team. We would love to sit down and speak with you and see if we can help you quit porn and get free once and for all. And so um, the link is there. It's a very basic conversation. We just want to understand your story, and that's kind of how we decide whether or not this is going to be a good fit. All you need to do Just click the link in the show notes. It's right there. So that's everything for today, guys. Uh, God bless you. Thank you so much for listening. And please make sure that you share this interview with somebody that you think might benefit from it. In the meantime, we'll talk soon. Stay clean. Bye-bye. Hey, everybody. It's Sathya again. Thanks for listening to Unleash the Man Within. I wanted to take a quick moment to let you know about a free ebook that I wrote for you called The Ultimate Guide to Porn Recovery. It provides a basic framework for the recovery process and a few of my top tips completely free of charge. You can get it now at www.ultimaterecoveryguide.com. That's www.ultimaterecoveryguide.com. Now, if you've been impacted by the podcast and you want to show some support in less than 60 seconds, there are three ways you can do that. First, you can leave a rating or review on your podcast platform. This lets people like you know that the content here is valuable. Secondly, you can share this episode with someone in your life that might benefit from the content. If you're passionate about helping other people experience freedom and success in their lives, this is one of the easiest ways to do that. And lastly, you can subscribe. I personally only listen to the podcast that I subscribe to. If you're seeking daily encouragement, guidance, and insight in your recovery journey, I highly recommend subscribing to Unleash the Man Within. Thanks for listening. I look forward to connecting with you very, very soon. The information, opinions, and recommendations presented in this podcast by Sathya Sam and his guests are for general information only and should not be considered medical, clinical, or any other form of professional advice. Any reliance on the information provided is done at your own risk.